Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're super excited. We are taking on a worthwhile endeavor at Life Success and Legacy. Our intention is to honor Nelson Nash, the man, as well as the infinite banking concept. We're going to create a series of resources, including podcasts and text, as a resource for others who want to truly understand with depth and clarity what Nelson shared in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, as well as the many seminars and think tanks that we were fortunate to have attended during his life. So who is this intended audience? Well, we will use Nelson Nash's own words. It is written for the layman not for financial advisors, but all life agents should be thoroughly knowledgeable of its content and practice. So whether you are an individual, part of a family, a business owner, or a life insurance agent, this is for you. So sit back, relax, and we will walk you through becoming your own banker step-by-step so you can reference the parts you want to revisit at your own pace. And we might have a little fun along the way. Hey, we want to welcome you back to uh, our next episode of the Life Success Legacy uh, podcast. I'm Chris Bay, joined by the founder of Life Success and Legacy, Michael K. Everett. How are you, Mr. Everett, out there in the I snow? I am do- doing good. I just got through scooping a little bit of snow, and it's cold outside, and it is windy. We got, I've got drifts in my backyard that are three foot deep. <laughs> How are you scooping snow with a shoulder that you just had surgery on? Um, it's called a Do you Kubota. have a doctor's note? No, no, it's called the Kubota and the big old <laughs> scoop that I've got. So you're just oh, one, driving. one arm in it. Well, I wouldn't say that I'm one arm in it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, not sure a, you've got a doctor's note approving. Well, I will behavior. tomorrow, 815 tomorrow. I, you know, it's been four and a half weeks since my shoulder surgery. So I'm telling you, I'm. I'm close to getting up to game time. I think I got three and a half, four weeks of uh, PT starting next week. Okay. I'm up. I'm going. You, you can you can visualize the T, can't you? Oh, buddy. Uh, we had some folks out last night and they were saying, well, where's your, uh, where's your indoor hitting mat? <laughs> and I took them out in the garage and they said, well, you don't even have this thing set up. I said, it's called temptation. Yes. If I have that thing set up, I'm going to be out there trying to swing that thing at a time when I'm not supposed to have a club in my hand. And now so, you're a, you're a one-arm caregiver because, because Linda just had some work done. Yeah. She had a little bit of uh, dental surgery and it's been kind of a deal, but yeah, I mean, she's, she's, she's going to be up and going before you know it. So, yeah. I mean, she's doing great. Good deal. Good deal. Well, um, for our listeners, we have been um, plowing our way through Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and we are coming close here to the end. Um, I think what we'll probably do, and we'll see how this goes, but I think we'll spend this podcast talking about page 85, which is points to consider, which is actually really some pretty good stuff in there <laughs> that we want to highlight. And then I think maybe next time we may, uh, we'll see what we, we end up doing, but we may talk about um, some of the bibliography, um, recommended reading and bibliography that Nelson has in here. And then also uh, potentially share with you all some of our favorite learning, uh, favorite books and things that we have gathered uh, over the years. So first of all, let's jump into the points to consider. Um, Mike, this first section, he's got them numbered. Number one, to me, really plays into one of Nelson's 
since principles, and that is rethink your thinking. Yeah. And how we think about things. And he's talking about the the American family and how you know, we've shifted from one worker to now we think we've got to have two workers and that whole thing. And you and I have actually experienced this even in our own our own lives, our own families. Well, you know, uh, I guess the misnomer is, uh, and we, we've all gone through this, is we're never going to have enough money. Mm-hmm. And so the, the way you offset that is you turn around and uh, if you've got one spouse that is the breadwinner, then you're going to send the other one out and we're going to go do the thing. Um, I, I, I personally think uh, it is just something that our society has casted upon us. And um, I, I don't, I don't believe it. In fact, I'm not, I'm not living like that. In fact, we chose in 1980 <laughs> to become a, a one income family. Yeah. And uh, it was, it, it was a big transition for us mm-hmm. of where we were. And we had to make some, um, serious adjustments in order to make that work. And this is back when you could do daycare and, and stuff like that. What I would consider pretty dirt cheap at, yeah. at, at that time period. But I think that there's a number of things that, that families need to relook at and rethink through mm-hmm. in order to make that work. Well, and even when we work on strategies for new clients, and let's just say they're a one income or two income, it doesn't matter. And we yeah. start looking at the amount of cash that is going each month to their headwind, and that is the interest on their debt. <laughs> if we simply turn that wind current, you don't need a second income. Well, Nelson used to call it bleeding. That money yeah. would bleed bleed out of the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, I'm telling you once you start to look at that stuff people will go wow so Um, nelson says there's there's only two sources of income right right there's the income that we earn through work right that is us at work and then there is money at work and his whole his whole thing on this number one section here is is it possible that in today's society and we're thinking we've got to have two incomes to every household we don't have enough money at work. We're all working, but we don't have our money at work in, a, in an intelligent way. I think that that kind of speaks back into the process that we teach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, when, when we take people through our educational process and uh, there are some things that are revealed not only in the webinar, but the client conversation. And then when we are able to put together a step-by-step strategy, um, it it is an eye-opening moment for many, many clients, many families where they're looking at this and they're going, you mean we've got two, three, $5,000 a month going (laughs) out the door to service the debt? Well, that's that 34.5% that they're spending on interest. That That is a headwind that you literally, you, you can't overcome unless your thinking has changed. Mike, you and I just presented a strategy yesterday. Oh man. To a family that's basically single income. 
Yep. And 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 the breadwinner is making a good living. There's a there's a lot of money, but they are yep. fighting the headwind. Oh, and when we showed them with our software what was possible, what happened to that guy? He had tears in his eyes. He did. Yeah, He's but you could his just feel off, but he cannot feel like he can get ahead. You could feel the pressure release. Mm -hmm. And man, if you can take somebody's existing income and show them what the possibilities are, it, it is unbelievable how you can change their family. It was a really sweet moment when his wife really wanted to stop and recognize what he has accomplished over the years and that they're fighting this headwind. So it feels frustrating to him. But with this knowledge, with this skill set and with our support, that hard work that he's been doing all these years, and really it's a team because she's been raising a bunch of kids, right? Yeah, they got five of them. Right. <laughs> is that, that all that hard work is going to, is going to benefit them. We just got to right. turn the wind current. So that's it. Okay. Let's go to number two here. Um, Nelson's talking about um, if you knew at passive income time, remember Nelson took retirement out of his vocabulary. Yep. Yep. But, it, but he's totally okay with passive income coming to him, um, that you would get back everything you paid into a system tax free. Mm. Would you object to putting more money into it? Well, he kind of leads you down the path here. He does. <laughs> I he mean, does. if you knew that you were going to get back all that you put into it, you would do this in a second. But and, it. Well, I was going to say, and the reality is he says, get back everything you put into it. But the reality of it is you get back more than what you put into it. Tax you do. Free. You do. And, yeah. yeah. And how's that happen? Yeah. Well, you know, you're talking about and everybody who has listened to our podcast knows it's dividend paying whole life insurance. Yeah. And then it has to do with premium deposits. And so you're looking at the way the policy is designed. It's designed for cash, not death benefit. But because of the way the design is and the way the dividends work and the way the internal workings of the policy works, your death benefit is growing. And so is the cash value of the contract. Mm -hmm. So at one point in time, you get down the road and I'm going to say, 25, 30, 35 years, you have the availability of being able to take policy loans and not be taxed on that money. Yes. Even though Nelson doesn't show that in the book anywhere. <laughs> he mentions it though. Like I was looking back at what we just did on um, the section that says, what if I'm uninsurable? Right. Back on page 82, and he's talking about the father. Remember, he was uninsurable. That's right. So he started a policy on his daughter. Yeah. And he says, um, if he is still living at this point, I'm down probably uh, two thirds Three quarters of the way. Of the way. Yeah. 15 right. Years. Almost at the bottom. Yeah. Yep. If he's still living at this point and wants to continue receiving tax-free income, he could simply switch to policy loans, which are income tax free. Before that, he had him taking surrendering cash uh, values of paid up additions. Yep. Right. Yep. But but then if you just switch to uh, which policy, we loans. wouldn't even switch. We would start with loans. That's right. From That's the very right. beginning. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's go now to um, number three. And this is about, and we get this question all the time. People pick up on this yep. and they say, okay, Nelson says 
okay, if you're putting your money in somebody else's bank and you have a banking system, wouldn't you want to run all of your money through your own mm. banking system? And people want to know, well, when can that happen when I can run all of my income through my own banking system? So let's let's talk about this a little bit. Well, you know, we discussed this just prior to us getting on here, and, and mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to go down to the uh, three quarters of the way into that paragraph on number three. It says it will take the average person 20 years to reach this level. Now. I am just entering my 17th year. I'm not even to 20 years in my IBC uh, journey. So I, I believe that there is a way to accomplish that, but there is a number of factors that, uh, that take place. Number one, our own mind is the first barrier. Yeah. It's really a matter of how you think. And we, as infinite banking coaches, do we have it figured out? We do not. Um, that is hard for me to say because of the time and energy and experience that I have in infinite banking. But there is also a line out there because I'm not to 20 years yet. And then I, 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 go, I go back and I start to think about the first two to four years that I had my plan because I was all in going crazy, but I was not utilizing my infinite banking plan, my policies, the way you should. Mm. And that's when Nelson came to me and just explained so simply that you needed to start making policy loan repayments immediately. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, there was a shift in my brain, but I was three years behind the eight ball. So technically I'm entering my 17th year. Let's back it up three years. I'm really entering my 14th year of utilizing my policies in the way that it should be. Yeah. So if you get back to this and you say, well, you already put all of your income into somebody else's bank. Why, why aren't we running all of our income through our own IBC system? And we know in the beginning, policies are not mature enough where you're getting 100% access of everything nope. you put in. So that's, that's one right. of the factors. I, I think of what are the factors or what are the levers we've got to pull to get to that system. One is you have to have a policy that is mature where if you take your paycheck, for example, if you're a W-2 employee and you take your paycheck and you run it through a premium, you want to have at least 100% of that available to you. That's right. Well, if you get paid once a month, for example, you would want to have a policy, a mature policy available to you every single month of the year that you could run your paycheck through, turn around and pull it right back out. Right back out. Okay. Without so, it affecting the policy in a negative way. Exactly. And so you've also got to be doing some loan repayments. Yep. Right. And so you can see how when you're starting to talk about at least 12 policies that are mature that can take, you know, four to six years to yep. get it to a place where it's mature. And being able to do that, you could see how Nelson would say for the average person, which we know you are well above average, Mike Everett. Oh, come on. The average, Ameri <laughs> average American 
it could easily take 20 years to set up a system like that. Yeah, in fact, you know, I had dinner many times with Nelson and that just always perplexed me. And he said, well, we're just talking the average. He said, but in all reality, because of the way we run our lives, it's going to be more in the neighborhood of 20 to 28 years. Just because there are life changes, there's things that happen. You got to get a new car. You got to get a new washer dryer. You're going to go on an extra vacation. Your kids are going to go to college. I mean, there's just all of these different factors yeah. that then play into that. Mm -hmm. All right. Any other comments on that, on that number three about running all of your money through your premium? The last sentence is important. Yeah. If this message is taught to succeeding generations, then a perpetual banking system can be achieved. And that's so important to it both is of us. Super, super important. And I'll be honest with you because, you know, we've been going a million miles an hour. I've not done the job that I should with my own children. Mm. But now I'm going to get an opportunity because things are starting to, you know, I wouldn't say that we're, you know, so busy that we don't have time. It's just that it's kind of that time where your kids are starting to feel a little bit more mature, you know, because you have that gap you know, where they don't really listen to anything that you say. No. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, both of my kids are at a place where, you know, maybe dad does kind of know what he's talking about. Yeah. And uh, and now their lives are busy, so it's hard for them. They're just dealing that, with emergencies all yeah, the time. Yeah. And so, hard to be strategic. You know, it's, uh, I think it's going to be important, at least uh, with my children at one point in time, to sit down and say, okay, hey, this is what we have in place. Mm-hmm. We need to figure it out. So when I do hand the baton off at graduation day, um, there's a little bit of education put into place where they need to kind of say, okay, yeah, dad, you were right. Yeah. You know, a, a friend of ours, um, Mike Kwong has written a book and the inspiration of that book was writing it for his daughter. Oh, wow. And it's really, um, he's working on, on pulling it all together now, but I've read through it. And a couple times, actually, as he's developed the drafts, and it's really powerful. And what a, an, an amazing legacy to pass on to the next generation. Yeah. Well, Kwong's cool. so, so dad gum sharp. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he, he's way, way too good. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, number four. This is all about the tax code. <laughs> and I actually did some, did some additional thinking and research on this one, but... Um, Nelson starts out, and I love the word onerous. Yep. He says, when government creates a problem, and he says, onerous taxation, and then turns around and grants you an exception to the problem they created, any tax qualified plan is what he's referencing there. Aren't yep. you just a little bit suspicious that you're being manipulated? Now, first of all, let me, for our listeners, most of them know this already, but let me read what onerous means. There we go. That'd be okay. good. Onerous is involving an amount of effort and difficulty that is oppressively burdensome. Oppressively burdensome. So when you think about the tax code, Whit, Mike, tell us a little bit about the history of the tax code. That take us back to 1913. So our wonderful income tax code, income tax law started in 1913. 
And of course, they started out with a very low, low percentage of income tax. You're just going to do a flat tax is what it was. And, and they started their first um, proposal, I believe, to Congress was 2%. It was so little, it was ridiculous, but it wasn't to the point where uh, onerous would <laughs> come into the conversation. Right. But, you know, as as life has happened, you know, this and you got to think about, and so I'm, I'm going to try to stick as close to I, as I can to IBC. Yes. Yeah, because this is really about infinite banking. So infinite banking deals with dividend paying whole life insurance, period. Whole life insurance was created around 120 years prior to the income tax law. Mm -hmm. It is the only financial tool that was created prior to the income tax code. So let's talk about some of the things that were created afterwards. IRAs, mutual funds, 401ks, 403bs, uh, 529 plans, 529 plans, Roth IRAs. So those are all part of the income tax code. Mm -hmm. So you know, here's what we've been taught to do. We've been taught to take our money and set it aside little by little and set it aside for 20, 30, 40 years. And then eventually we get access to it. And um, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share now my personal story. You know, I had participated fully in my 401k at the, at the, uh, at my profession prior to getting into IBC. Well, hey, I was getting this awesome match to just be added to my, and, and then all of a sudden, I literally read this book. Yeah. And it started, uh, you know, it started out as a fog, I'll be honest with you, but then I started reading it and then I read it again and I thought, well, this makes a little too much sense. Mm -hmm. I had just turned 50. I was doing everything that I possibly could or that I should do because I had some IRAs and I had some mutual funds, but yet I was still in debt up to my eyeballs. Yeah. And I thought, is this all we have? And uh, when I started putting two and two together, I started looking at the way I was not being able to utilize the dollars that I had set aside over here. And then I thought, I will never get ahead. Hmm. And this is what prompted it's me again, the way we think. It was totally the way we think. Mm -hmm. And so because of the way we think we still and this kind of goes hand in hand with that number five, rethink your thinking, we mm -hmm. all are susceptible to fall back into that rut. And so um, it goes back to number two about putting all of your money through your system. And so um, part of the thing is we've got to then help ourselves think, how can we utilize our dollars in the most efficient ways? Which leads to imagination. Totally. I believe that's page 14 in the book. And uh, so you've got to somehow get to think through this thing. But I, I'll be honest with you, I have not done that myself. 
So there's this line out there that I have butted myself up against and thought, I still can't do this because I'm not 20 years into my plan. I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that, but I'm helping myself think through this. And, and these are the kinds of conversations that we have with our clients. Yes. And, and amongst uh, our team. Yeah. Well, and, and amongst our team, when we're sitting here thinking about how can we continue to learn and grow mm -hmm. so we can share these things with our clients that would be beneficial for them and their families. One of the things I share with business owners all the time that I use myself is I have a policy. Now it's a system of policies, but I had started with one specifically for my tax dollars because I'm yep. a business owner and I use the, my tax dollars and repay that policy, use the cash value to pay the premium. And then I take a loan to pay my taxes. And then I just simply replenish it through policy loan repayments till the next year. Yep. That is imagination. It is imagination. It is, it is looking at number number three and saying, okay, is there a way that I can run more of my revenue, more of my income through my own banking system? Yeah. I did a little bit of a research on this, Mike, uh, especially around that, that whole idea of um, creating a problem, right? <laughs> and the government yeah. creates a problem and then grants you an exception. And I I want to, I think this will give people an idea of what we're talking about there, the tax code, and it changes dramatically. In fact, from 2001 to 2012, there were 4,680 changes to the tax code. Oh that is on average one change per day over from 2001 to 2012. Mm. The tax code is now north of 70,000 pages. There oh are volumes. Okay. But I want to put this in perspective of that 70,000, only 9,000 are the statutes and regulations. Everything else are exceptions to those statutes and regulations. So Nelson was right on the money. <laughs> well, so I'm going to I'm going to make it a little simpler <laughs> because, because if you start to think about 70,000 pages, it can be a, a little overwhelming. Right. In fact, it kind of caught my breath when you said that. And I know you're a researcher. I'm not much, I'm not much like that, but I start to think about the number of different types of plans that are out there. So if you think about it, they made HR 10 plans for partners mm -hmm. and sole proprietors. It, they had a retirement plan. Pension they, plans. They had a pension plan. Mm -hmm. And then they had the 401k plan. Now, they keep changing the name of the retirement plan. I'm putting air quotes around that. Why do they change the name? It's because of that 70,000 pages, because <laughs> there's got to be there's they've got to be making all of these changes. So what they do is they change the name of the plan because there's exceptions to the rules that they've already set in place. Now, if the government is creating these plans, are they creating them for you or for themselves? 
Well, as, as Nelson says, wouldn't you be just a little bit suspicious that you're being manipulated? <laughs> he yeah, says if you uh, if they really wanted to give you a break, all they yeah, have there to you do go. Is cut out the taxes. That's right. And they're never gonna do that. And they're not they're gonna never do that. gonna do that. I mean, we've gotta we gotta pay for too many senators and congressmen's uh salaries up there. I, I feel like our CPA's um job is pretty secure. I think we're going to need that mm, CPA mm. for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. We'd never be able to do our own taxes. <laughs> In fact, uh, how many pages was the original tax tax form? One. One page. Mine didn't oh, look yeah. like one page this year when we were doing it. No. Oh, you got like, it back uh, there. Oh, let me, let me get life success and legacy. <laughs> okay, so I'm pulling it out of here. And I, I don't I don't think they've got them numbered, but here you go. <laughs> you talk about overwhelming and it, it's just it's crazy. But yeah. yet, you know, it, it's no wonder that we're just a little bit suspicious. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. That's, that's another thing. In itself. All right, let, let's bump ahead to number five. And yeah, this one's go. really talking about where is it that you want to store your yeah. wealth. It has to reside someplace. And so he gives a couple of examples. You want to talk about those, Mike? Well, I mean, obviously the 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 one that everybody thinks about is their home, mm -hmm. real estate. And in fact, we even have a number of clients that are um, uh, investing in real estate. I mm -hmm. mean, they, they want to buy property and I, some of them are going to buy land. Some of them, in fact, we have some people down in Arkansas, they buy raw land and then they sit on it for six or 12 months and then they turn it and they make I, I'm sure they make tons of money. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that that uh, everybody needs liquidity, it says there. Yeah. But yet real estate is what they call a frozen asset. I mean, it's it's almost it's almost impossible sometimes to uh, access the equity in our home. This is why we tell people when things are not tight. Mm -hmm we really truly suggest that people set up a home equity line of credit so they can access ready yeah. available ready available cash in a pinch mm -hmm. so so they're not just pushed against the wall and say ah nah i'm sorry you you just you just can't do that right now yeah so we think we think that's kind of important and sometimes they do that that um, home equity line of credit in the second position along with their mortgage and some folks put it in the first position that is right. the mortgage they yeah it's an interest only interest only uh loan that they're doing yep yeah yep. okay so then what about the stock market oh boy <laughs> you got a lot of money in the stock market don't you you know, I actually bought some 5G stock about a year ago and, you know, I bought it at 27 and it's at $77. Yeah. Really, I, I should probably walk out of it right now. But, you know, I just think we're just barely, but I did not put very much money in it. Let me put right. it this way. I, I put like a thousand bucks into it. And, so and it was, tell, give, give us a reason why. Why did you do that? You know... We, we are we are pulled to and from and I and I'm going to just tell you Nelson called it noise mm -hmm. 
you know, and so, you know, it, we have a tendency to do a lot of reading and a lot of research. And I, I'll be honest with you, I spent probably six months before I pulled the trigger on this reading about 5G. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, well, what the heck? You know, I had a thousand bucks sitting around, I dumped it in, you know, and now I've got, you know, close to four grand sitting in this thing. And really, I, I should pull it out. Thank my lucky stars. I didn't lose my shorts. But, you know, for the first six or eight months, this thing lost money. Yeah. And I and I, I was sitting here going, what have I done? Um, but, you know, the the stock market is risky. There are no guarantees in the stock market, you know, and I I say this all the time because uh, the stock market is almost like if you just took the window and you threw the money out the window with the idea, even though you've got all of these uh, um, series licensed guys that are going to give you all these statistics of how this thing is going to uh, rebound and grow mm -hmm. and this and that, but yet... Uh, getting back to IBC, you know, so what is the real percentage that people are making in the stock market? Let, let's even call it 10 to 15%. Now that's before taxes, by the way. Maybe before fees. Yeah, before fees, before taxes and all the stuff that comes out of that stuff. And yet they're still sitting on credit card debt, Mm -hmm. They're still sitting on car debt, student loan debt, and a mortgage. So we get back to the basics of IBC, and that is what we call headwind. Yeah. That's the 34.5% that they're paying on their existing debt. So if there was a way that we could get rid of, let's just say half of that debt, and let's call it 30% interest, and we were able to get them 15% of that to where they could actually pay that on a monthly basis to themselves. Hey, we want to welcome you back. Uh, we're in the middle <laughs> of our podcast on page 85, Points to Consider, and Zoom just dropped on us. We're actually talking about the second column where we're talking about the stock market, right? And Mike, you were talking about how turning the wind current and that 34.5% that average America is losing to interest on their debt. Well, so, you know, they've got all these debts that they're, that they're paying on every month. And Nelson says that it's 34 and a half percent, but let's say it's 30. So if we were able to get rid of half of their debt, half, and they were able to put this 15% or the payments that they were making over there, but put them over here, would they be better off or would they even care about the 10 to 15% that they're making on this quote unquote, the stock market account. No. They wouldn't, no. they wouldn't. So it's a matter of liquidity use and control. We're putting all of the control in the client's hands. And when they start to learn that they can actually do that, everything changes. And of course we get back to imagination. We get back to how they think. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's just so many different variables, but it's, all in the client's hands. And the beautiful thing is when they turn that wind current and they're turning that percentage their direction, there's no risk involved. They're Zero. controlling it. It's not like you have your money in the stock market and you're hoping and wishing or timing it right. You control it all, right? The so guarantees that's, of the four that, things that IBC does, we're yeah. obviously talking about just the first step. Then we get on we to are. the others. 
Mike, that third um, bullet there, he, he gives the third option or a third option. And obviously that is our life insurance policies. Anything on that? That's pretty self-explanatory. It is very self-explanatory. You're talking about a contract that you own, that you're the owner, you have control of all of the, and, and Nelson calls it absolute control. Mm -hmm. You have control of all of the facets of what's going on with the dollars that are coming in and the dollars that are coming out that are available to you. Yep. It's very, very, very simple. Number six, just a reminder, and this is actually one of my favorites uh, in the book, and we actually do a pretty involved drawing mm -hmm. on this in our boot camps to really break this out and show how it works with IBC. Um, Nelson says you finance everything you buy. You either pay interest to someone else. Obviously, if we take a loan at the bank, we're going to pay interest on that. Yeah. Or you give up the interest you could have earned elsewhere. Again, if you're saving up and paying cash, you know, like a Dave Ramsey type of approach, you are interrupting that compounding interest over and over again. And Nelson says there are no exceptions. So I'm going to do a quick plug here. We have a process in place for a reason. We have our webinar. We really would request that people read this book. Number three, we do a client conversation. And number four, we do this thing called a boot camp. Yeah. The boot camp is really an in-depth dive. And when Chris says that he does this drawing, the drawing, it, it almost makes you hyperventilate because you look at this thing and you go, holy cow, it cannot be this easy. And I'm telling you, once you start to see what could possibly happen for you and your family in this boot camp drawing, you would look at this and go, why wouldn't every family in America do this? Mm. So, and, and I remember the first time I saw Chris do this drawing, I thought, holy cow, it, everything came full circle for me. And I thought this just put meat completely on the bones of what's going on inside the book. But now, you know, and you say this all the time, there's all kinds of people have different learning styles. Absolutely. And sometimes they can read and go, yeah, I got it. Or sometimes you can draw a picture. Um, I'm, I'm a picture guy. I, li I liked it. Still do. I think uh, if I remember correctly, that's the picture where Mike Crawford's wife, Mary, she was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's that right. picture, I think, helped her quite a bit. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's transition here to number seven. And it's interesting to me that it took him all the way through all of these points to consider to actually talk about death benefit. Mm. And I was just doing a, a coaching session with a client of ours who she is getting ready to make her sixth premium deposit. She's used new money every single year. She mm. has no policy loans and um, she's single and has no kids. And the death benefit to her really doesn't mean anything. Right. But as a banking tool, it still is amazing. It's, it's still more efficient than any other financial tool yep. to use for yep. banking purposes. And Nelson tells us, you know, if you were to do this using life insurance, just for your financing needs, you're going to end up with way more death benefit than you would ever get through underwriting. Yep. You couldn't buy this much. Mm -mm. Yep. Okay, Mike Everett, any uh, final points you want to make on these uh, points to consider on this page? No, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Chris, I haven't read through points to consider in probably five plus years. It was really mm. great 
to be able to do that. And as you know, in the webinar that we do, we really spend a lot of time on the first 50 pages because that's really where our foundational uh, teaching and education happens. You know, Agreed. in the later, later parts of the book, it's just great to kind of hash through these things again and, and think through. But you're really just taking a lot of the things that you've learned in the early part of the book and now kind of wrapping things up and putting meat on the bones. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, we anticipate our next podcast. We're going to talk about some of Nelson's book recommendations, um, et cetera, reading lists that he has in the back. But we're also going to add to that our own reading list. The, some of the books that we have especially enjoyed specific to IBC, because there's a bunch that are not listed here in Nelson's book mm -hmm. that we have found in our own learning over the years, very helpful. And so uh, join us for our next podcast and, uh, and enjoy that list and maybe start uh, starting your own list of reading uh, to-dos. Um, check us out at lifesuccesslegacy.com. Uh, if you don't have a copy of, of Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and I've talked about this multiple times, so our listeners, check this out. I got this thing laminated and bound, spiral bound. My old book that was falling apart, I got it, I got it put back together. Before we jump yeah. off of here, before we jump off here, if you're going to the website and you're going to get a copy of the book, please take a look at Family Banking with Purpose. This is written by my business partner, Chris Bay good looking picture of him on the back. But that? this is a short little thing. There's no charts. There's no numbers. It's really about a family. Yeah. And how you can actually uh, really utilize this as a tool with your family. Thanks, Mike. Hey, we'll get into this next time. For our listeners, thanks for joining us. And we'll look forward to our next podcast with you.